We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox, Dave, Kenny Carkey, and Dante. Huge interview this week with the one, the only, Andrew McMahon from Jack's Manic and Something Corporate and Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. He has new music coming out. Great conversation. Uh, truly one of my favorite songwriters in the world. Dude was awesome. Kenny, you, do you know, did you know Andrew previous to that or did you just kind of have interactions? I met him at a, a bunch of times here and there at festivals and whatnot because we played a lot of the festivals together, a lot of shows together. The... His vibe, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, is a lot of the same with AWOL Nation, where it was like Aaron Bruno and his band. So, like, the backing bands would always be homies and bros while those yeah. two. So, like, yeah, close enough. Wait, I, I didn't text you about this. So, we were we were in the studio with Foxtrot the other night working on a new song, and we literally jacked sale. We <laughs> actually jacked sale. We, we, the, the chorus is the opening, the dun, 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 dun. That is the chorus of this new song. And uh, we were in the studio and I was like, dude, I should send this to Kenny and have Kenny fucking like do something on this because <laughs> we're just doing a really bastardized version of Sale right here. Oh my God, it's going to be like an Americana fucking version of Sale. It is, dude. It's like uh, the song is more like Houndmouth or like, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a really cool song. And uh, the idea came to drop out the chorus and just do the stabs on a staccato kind of like strings patch on a, on a key on keys. And I was like, holy shit, that's Can I tell you the story about those strings really quickly. Yeah. Um, the studio I was working at Jimmy Messer studio who did like Enrique Iglesias and Kelly Clarkson and shit like that. He was my mentor. He had a, an MPC in his studio that his buddy let him borrow story was it was Kanye's MPC and it had, and it had a million sounds like you would recognize from 808s and a bunch of stuff on this MPC It's like MPC 4,000 or whatever. And Aaron and I were just going through random sounds and we found the strings and there were the whole chords, the like five notes on one button. And Aaron just started playing that those strings on Kanye. Kanye's NPC and shit, and that's what came to be. You might not want to tell people that it was Kanye's NPC now, because they might start getting some some judgments about Dude, it. Dude, that's crazy. That is how you never shit. told us that before. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, like yeah, some yeah, information that you've just kept in the back pocket for the last like year and a half. What's tight too is that because old boy here played an NPC on stage, I was able to use the exact sounds from the record every time we played the live show. So as soon as you hit that first note, dun dun dun, dun yeah. <laughs> that's so fire dude uh dave how are you buddy i'm okay classic not, not nothing new nothing new there mood, dave i'm not in a bad mood why is okay bad no, i'm just saying why are you it's an mood? average day if i was great i would say if i was great if i was shitty i'd say i was shitty i will say um he's at the office what do you expect where fun <laughs> goes where fun goes to die not necessarily you guys are all you guys are all yeah you're at like home depot or something (laughs) you guys are all you guys are all pretty miserable fucking souls in that place (laughs) dante you're a beaming shining light yeah exactly yeah dante's the he's just like the most positive i am love life on tour you cannot be a positive person facts (laughs) facts uh, we do have a lot to talk about today. Uh, there's a lot going on. We, we we just covered this the other day on the backstage socials, but there's a lot of festivals to get into. We are waiting on Johnny Congo. So he'll be here sometime. I don't know where the fuck he is, but I hope he never. Uh, regard, 
Me too. I hope he never shows up. Uh, but yeah, a lot going on, guys. Seriously. Uh, we're getting some really cool offers in our emails about what we're going to be doing the beginning of this year. A couple of big interviews. I will say next week we have two really great guests. Obviously, we have Andrew McMahon today. Uh, also, we were talking about this before we came on air. Go follow the Barstool Backstage TikTok. I know we have uh, kind of crucified TikTok on here, but we're doing really well on there. So go fucking follow it. Uh, people love Nickelback content. I just want to say that. Uh, <laughs> I was really people, surprised at the comments. Like 99% of the comments were, yo, low key. I've always loved Nickelback. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone, people were afraid to admit it. And now that I have, I, I'm like a revolutionary the trend. Yeah. People are like, oh, they're not the worst thing to ever touch music. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I'm reading through these comments. Like, all these videos have, like, 400,000 views, uh, 200, 300. People love Nickelback. There's literally a comment on here that says, more Nickelback content in all capital letters. (laughs) It's all Chad Kroger's burners. (laughs) (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, a lot going on. Uh, Let's start getting into the conversation. It was, like, the... uh, what do they call it for NFL coaches? Black Monday, where like all the coaches get fired at one time. This was like uh, Black Tuesday, where the, all the festivals just all on the same day announced. I think they were playing a game of chicken to see who would go first. But there was a ton of festivals that got dropped. And there was a couple that I liked. And there was one that I really thought was like underwhelming as fuck. But the first one I want to talk about is uh, Boston Calling. Uh, Boston Calling's lineup was fucking unbelievable. And I want to get your reaction on this. Headliners, Foo Fighters and the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs one night with the National as, like, the undercard. The Lumineers and Alanis Morissette with Noah Kahan, who had a huge year as the undercard. And then Taramore and Queens of the Stone Age, which is, like, a fever dream for me. That's, like, my dream fucking lineup for one night with Bleachers and King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard uh, that night as well. That's I hope a Josh Homme n- fucking kick somebody in the face again. <laughs> <laughs> you think Josh Homme? Dude, we got to get Jack- King Gizzard on the show. I bet King, King Gizzard's the shit. Yo, and the Linda. Oh, Lee. yeah, they're great. Six yeah. lips, Mount Joy. Our guy, Teddy Gizzard. Or Teddy, G- <laughs> Teddy Gizzard. I was Teddy Swims. Teddy Swims. Because uh, he's, I'm going to Google it, right on top of uh, King Gizzard. Um, that is a fucking loaded lineup. Great. And that's Memorial Day weekend. That's going to be a fucking really gnarly, gnarly festival. And that's a- hey, Here, that's let a- me ask you guys a question real quick. Do you guys yeah. like Mount Joy? I love Mount Joy. Yeah, I do like Mount Joy. Dante, I feel like they're a band that oh, yeah. to hate, but uh, I think I'm gonna go see them at Red Rocks. I don't really, I, I like them. Wait, why? I, wait, who hate? Who hates them? And why? I f- I feel like that's just a the, the type of music that they they are like their genre. I feel like that's one of the easy to hate genres. But I don't hate them. I I figure indie like indie like like indie rock. Yeah, kinda. Uh, funny know. story. Funny story about Mount Joy. They actually recorded their last album out of the same studio with the same engineer and producer that we use for Foxtrot. So uh, they're hey, actually two ahead, of them. Go ahead and hit them with the "Don't Care." Yeah, yeah. Two, I, of, I don't uh, care. two of them are Philly <laughs> yeah. guys, dude. Hey, Where's Johnny? We need that. So- we need that sound clip. For those of you who, well, obviously, none of you oh, are privy to our okay, group okay. chat, but I could send life changing news in there. I, yeah. like, I could send the most life changing news in the fucking group chat, and I'll get hit with a "Don't Care." Like yeah, it's a difference though. Like you, the chat's always I'm, it's not that I'm miserable. It's that I'm up at like five thirty every day. So when yeah. that chat's firing off at like ten p.m., I'm like closing my eyes at night because I'm an old. Yeah. So I I don't care. Why are you up so early? I it's I'm conditioned to from my old life, and it never changed. That's when the Denny's old person uh, early bird special starts up. 
There's nothing better than smoking cigarettes, drinking black coffee at a Denny's in high school at seven in the morning. <laughs> You're such a you were such a fucking punk kid, dude. What a scumbag. You are the goth scumbag. Kids. Dude, you're the goth kids from South Park. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Nobody understands me. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep moving here. Let's go to some more festival announcements. Uh Bottle Rock, uh, which I thought this lineup was cool, but it, it feels like a very stock uh lineup. Hey. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Post Malone, Lizzo, Duran Duran, which I don't give a fuck about. Lil Nas X. Oh, old Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, old Corgan boy. And then they got Leon Bridges, Billy Strings, Wu-Tang, which, wow, throw that in the fucking mix. Uh, Left left field. Napa. Yeah, do they show up, though? Do they show up? A bunch of these festivals. Uh, The National. So is fucking 3-6 Mafia. Yes. Uh, Yeah, dude. I thought Bottle Rock was okay. Um, I don't know, seeing, like, Red Out Joe, there was Post Malone, Lizzo, and Duran Duran is your top line. Like, doesn't really I get my. Bonnaroo so far had the had the dopest announcement. Yeah, let's get into let's get into Bonnaroo because I really think that Bonnaroo is probably. I mean, that's probably the the best festival going right now. Um, one, on on one day on the Friday, you got Kendrick, Baby Keem, Portugal yep. Man, Three Six Mafia, Fleet Foxes, AFI, Sylvan SO. Like that's one. That's just one day. You have literally back to back to back three six mafia fleet boxes and AFI. What the fuck, dude? I hope like, they're all playing like at the same time. It's so sick. I, I hope they all do like a super jam where they're all on stage at the same time. Food Fighters, Paramore, Marcus Mumford, Revivalist, Pixies. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Umbreeze McGee, Revolution. Oh, that's Cheryl Crow. That oh dude, I love Cheryl Crow. Horn. Uh that Sunday is like we got a bunch of homies playing that night. We got uh Revolution and Revivalist playing that day. Um, and then the, I mean, I would dude, love I, to see the revivalists. They're awesome, dude. I saw I saw them with Nathaniel Rateliff towards the end of the summer, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever been yeah, to. I'm Our sure boy that, who's that would be a today is playing on the Saturday. Andrew McMahon. Oh yeah, Andrew's there, and then so is Tyler Childers, My Morning Jacket, Corn, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, JID. I just think Bonnaroo does the best job of in a non-corny way taking the best of all different elements of music and putting it in one place. I, I just – it feels like there's, like, real music fans booking this festival. I really, I really want to go to that. Bonnaroo's dope. Um, as I've never been. Bonnaroo's really Lou, dope. Our guys, Lou the Child, are there. Chicago DJ duo. It's going to be – that's going to be, like – I mean, there's a lot of friends. Awesome of the, weekend. There's a lot of friends yeah, of the podcast on this lineup. I mean, we got uh, Wolfpack, so Corey Wong is there. Uh, Andrew McMahon, we got, uh, I mean, j- there, there's like four or five on the guest list bands there. So we should find a way to do something with that. Cause that's, I mean, it's just one of the best festivals. Um, but that to me is like the, the top festival announced so far. And then the one that I went in on that people were starting to give me shit online about was Coachella. I thought Coachella's lineup was dog shit. I mean, it, it, I, for something that should be, and is expected to be like mind blowingly incredible. I mean, I don't. Uh, there's a there's an account online called uh, This Day in Barstool, and they always every year for play this game called How Far Down Can You Go in a Festival Lineup Before You See a Name That You Do Recognize. And I'm not even one of those guys to be like, what the fuck? But like, I like the fact they have like big international acts headlining. Like Frank Ocean, obviously, people are gonna freak out about that because he plays a show once every like six years. Uh, Blackpink, who are like a, a K-pop group that are huge, and then Bad Bunny is probably the biggest artist in the world. But I, I, I don't know. Like it, the, the, it just feels soulless to me. Like I don't, I don't feel anything towards this lineup. I mean, Gorillas is on there. Um, 
it's so it's so just what like if you look deep enough you got like kid Leroy, charlie xcx fucking it's l guys it's la it's fucking la douche fest every fucking year they get the biggest names every fucking year so this is finally it looks like they've run out of yeah headliners and shit so they need to like kind of reset uh i'm glad i'm i'm so fucking sick of coachella snatching up everybody every single year while palooza getting the scraps um i'm really interested to see what they look like this year but um i you know who i'm pumped for who? I tech I messaged Madison about this yesterday because I was listening to her and she was going over the lineup and she named like five acts and she was like, Yeah, that's about it for Coachella. <laughs> um but I'm pumped for Cannons, man. Cannons is playing Coachella, which oh, is man. awesome for them. It's yeah. still as a band, as an up-and-coming band, it's still one of the biggest things you could possibly do resume-wise. I played it in 2012, and it was like that was when it was fucking unbelievable like black keys were headlining kanye fucking all that type of shit but i like I, I agree with what dante's saying it's like they kind of sucked a little bit of the life out of it and kind of in a good way like not on purpose meaning like good fuck coachella a little bit take a seat yeah it's, it was never yeah. a festival. Like, i've never looked at coachella and been like i need to be there it's, it's an never LA, been my thing it's a fucking la thing man it's such a that and stagecoach back to back is like anybody who's anybody is there headlining bad bunnies headlining gorillas are there uh they have a song coming out together by the way uh i've listened to that second gorillas single i i think that album is going to be fucking in- incredible the song yeah. with tame impala is just it's tame impala oh, and, so and don dalla it's so good dude, dude they're i mean the the first two songs cracker island and that are and i'm not even a big gorillas fan but those are i mean I think this album is going to be fucking incredible. The features on it are insane. It's like, I mean, he's got Bad Bunny. He's got, you know, Tame Impala. He, I mean, it's all over the place genre-wise. And the sound so far is awesome. I'm pumped for it. Yeah, it's going to be so fucking I recently have been watching so many Gorilla Live concerts on YouTube. So cool. Those and Tame Impalas. I just put them on in the background all day and just fucking came. No, I, I so mean, I've never seen them live, but I heard it's like an experience. Like, yeah. must must do it's so good and i will say there's a couple videos online i've never seen it but of gorillas doing acoustic sets Ooh. and honestly fucking incredible go find some you know we're talking about a lot of music now we've gone through the festival lineups and we're about to get into the andrew mcmahon interview but something we haven't done recently that we want to get back into doing is talking about what we've actually been listening to as as music fans uh, and i have my spotify pull up here i actually did this on on the socials yesterday i said take a picture of your fucking recently played on spotify be honest don't edit it and let's see what you got let's see who has the best taste uh, i'll run down a few things i've been listening to white reaper who is a band that we have coming on the podcast uh unbelievable band just put out a new single called pink slip that's really really great if you like like a nice grungy kind of like fucking just straightforward rock and roll shit white reaper is the best uh zach bryan i can't stop listening to uh a really cool band they're called the heavy heavy if you like a nice americana kind of a style it sounds like it's almost more um uh my god what's his fucking name the guy who produces for jason is and all of them uh i'm blanking right now uh but if, if you like that more like nashville americana like rock and roll sound really good uh, Justin Towns Earl, rest in peace. Been spinning a lot of that, and then Baby Keem. I've been listening to the the melodic blue like constantly because you can go from like super ignorant to like fucking super like love songs back to back. 
Um, that's just such a great fucking record. I know Kenny loves Baby Keem too. So, um, yeah. Also, also Dante, thank you for Fred again. Thank you for the Fred again uh, suggestion because now I'm on that shit. No, it's good. It's like it's good, isn't it? It's really fucking good. That boiler room set thing is so sick, dude. I know. Me and me and Caleb and Cole get into heated debates a lot. Cole and Caleb are uh, very in the camp that they think the visuals make that set. So the energy that, you know, the fucking crowd and the DJ booth is creating, they think that if you take that out and just listen to it, it doesn't measure up at all, which yeah. I don't know. Could be true. Good, uh, yeah. decent, decent uh, argument. Kenny, what have you been listening to? Uh, let's see. I found a band called Top Bunk, which is really fucking rad, like alternative kind of um, group lovish kind of kind of vibe. The song Love is that. called "I Don't Want to Dance." Uh, Danger Mouse and Black Thoughts, Strangers, yes. North North by Vince Staples. Oh, the best. These three album by Nas, Plain Jane, ASAP Ferg. Like that's what I've been running through mostly. Ghost Mane, stuff like that. Damn, dude, you been listening to ASAP Ferg sitting around with your baby? Like, oh, you trying to get turned? Well, I play a lot of games, right? And they're nothing better to listen to than fucking hardcore rap when you're gaming. Yeah, when you're just out there, like, mowing down people and Call of Duty. Wait, just... Dave, you jumped in my lobby the other day and didn't say a fucking word and then left. That's, I, I asked if you were on. You were, I couldn't hear you. There was, I was like, Dave, hello, Dave. I couldn't hear you. Dude, so I, I have some of the funniest fucking clips you've ever seen. I've been recording everything lately. Proximity chat's the shit. It is kind of the shit. I have embarrassingly gotten to be good at that game. Let's go, son. <laughs> uh, I'm in tonight because uh, it's shit weather here and everything. But you'll be like, Dave, what the fuck have you been doing? And it's because I've been playing that game like crazy. Well, no, you'll never text days. me, so we'll never play together. Do, no, I'll play do I need, I'm not even kidding. Do I? Do I need to buy a PS5 or yes. 6 or whatever the fuck they're yes. on? Yes. Get in I, 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 I do it the, the real gamer way and go PC. Which is so fucking white, by the way. But can I just say for <laughs> four of us? How is that white? What do you mean how is that white? Name what? Get the fuck out of here. If all four of us squatted up on Warzone and clipped it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, we could even do like teams where you take the idiots me and dante who have no idea what we're doing and then each of us go on one of your squads i need to get a dude i don't have i literally don't have a gaming system i don't own one the pandemic but it's addicting and it's fun it's like it's it's a good way to kill time That's point, it's before. like i've seen every fucking tv show and movie i don't care yeah this is the same same yeah uh, back on track for a second dave have you been listening to anything yeah, fucking I I was gonna go Sunday, but that's out of out of the question. But G Love and Special Sauce. Let's go. I, he's such a fucking legend, man. I love G Love. He's the best. We gotta get him back on. He was such a great interview. Dude, he's supposed to be doing I after that. We had been talking. He asked me to send him some songs. He's supposed to be jumping on one of the new songs for the new Foxtrot record that's dropping in the summer. That would be so big for you guys. I mean, he already which, which, by the way, I didn't even mention this. Uh, new song drops tomorrow, Rolling Sevens. Uh, there's some really cool shit about to happen with that. Uh, I can't wait to tell everybody about it after it happens, but I'm really proud of that one. Is that a crap? Um, what's yeah. that? Craps. craps. I'm new to craps, and I love craps. 
Dude, yeah, it's is the only casino game I play. It's the I fucking just best game. Learning how to play it. I went to a wedding. They had first off. I went to a wedding that had a craps table at it. Best oh. idea ever. And I learned that like everybody wins together. Yeah, yeah. Like, play together. Rules, man. Yeah. Unless you want to be that asshole that bets against the table, you can do that. But everybody thinks it's such a complicated game, and it's not. It's insanely easy. I think it's just one of those games that you play. And then don't play it for like two years, and then go back and forget how to play. So then you got to relearn it. Like that—that's the way it is for me. Like every time I play the iPhone. Uh, but yeah, Dave, G Love, great call. What? Any specific album? I saw you put up Lemonade. Yeah, no, that's the easy one. Um, no, I just I I don't like I we've said before. I don't really search out albums as much as artists and specific songs anymore. But I fucking you forget sometimes because of how. You know, there's a billion artists and bands out there. How much you love someone until it's been a minute since you listened to him. And yep. I, I don't know how I figured out he was in Chicago this week. I think he probably tweeted some or whatever. And he's at the House of Blues Sunday. I oh, was going to great go venue. Great venue. We have Monday off because it's uh it's a holiday. And now I got a 6 a.m. flight. So I don't know if I want to do hey, that. House of Blues Chicago. Yeah, I've never been more drunk in my fucking life than I have been at that House of Blues twice. <laughs> it's a great place. Nice. Uh, that's an acoustic tour, by the way, too. It's him and Donovan Frankenreiter, which would be an amazing show. But Dave, can't yeah, who, I don't know who that is. Who is that? Donovan Frankenreiter runs in that kind of like uh, I don't know, like surf acoustic kind of a yeah, vibe. Yeah, I figured that much. Uh, it's uh, just like that's G's homie. Like they just tour together a lot. Yeah, that's just my. Like that's right up my alley. I wish it was like that's to me summer music. Yeah. But um but yeah, I don't know if I can go. I'll probably end up going and just like going straight to the airport from the concert. So um all right, Dante, anything you've been listening to? Yeah, I've been all over the place, uh, music wise. So I was in New Orleans a couple weekends ago and dude, I got I gotta get down there more often. It is just the fucking best place. Uh just walking around French Quarter and the live music you hear everywhere. Original jazz covers. Uh, it's like a, not, I don't want to say classier, but it's like a more musically sophisticated Nashville, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I heard some songs I haven't heard in like 15 years that I immediately Spotify and favorited. Lots of really good Sam Cooke. Awesome Jimmy Ruffin stuff. Um, forget how amazing that music was back then. Um, and also uh, a newer group that I'm on. Actually, two of them. One's newer than the other. Uh, Beach Weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- really good band. Um, I don't want to say all. But uh, I think they're, they're, I guess they're all pull them up, give them a listen. I want our listeners to, to give them a shot. They've got two really, really fucking good songs. Their new song on Lovable is really good. Uh, and then Band Camino, who I've loved yeah. since oh, One Last Band Cigarette. Shit. I, I love One Last Cigarette. It's still like still one of my favorite songs two years later. Um, and their new song, Daphne Blue, is a fucking banger, too. So uh, Dante, those are my named, two. Dante, you just named a bunch of bands that I don't hate. That's incredible. There you go. Anything's possible. Hi, Johnny. Hey, what's new up, year, guys? New year, baby. 
I, if you ask Johnny what he's been listening to, it's going to be like fucking Japanese jazz and like fucking Turkish spoken poetry. Fox Symphony Eight. <laughs> if you ask Kenny, if you ask Kenny what he's been listening to, it's some fucking band he's working on trying to promo so he can make his four percent of three cents. Because I did that. Rugrats. The post doesn't mean that's what I do all the time. <laughs> Rugrats, the musical. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rugrats, the musical. All right, real quick, let's go into the Andrew McMahon interview. We'll come out. Uh, we do need to talk about the new thing that we're doing as well. We're doing our artist spotlight. So instead of doing all this off list this week, when we come back, we'll quickly run through our artist spotlight. And at the end of the episode, we're going to play one of their songs. So uh, I'm making the decision right now. Uh, I'm trying to pick who we're going to do because we got to drop it tomorrow. So uh, let's go into our interview with the one, the only, Andrew McMahon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have one of my favorite songwriters in the world. He's been in the industry for 20 years, a bunch of different projects, and he has new music coming out now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew McMahon to the podcast. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Hello. How's everybody doing today? We're great, man. I kind of miss awesome, the voice man. of God. I kind of miss the voice of God thing now, honestly. I can always <laughs> throw it on throughout the session if it makes you feel good. Yeah, for anybody who <laughs> we, we were off air and we were going, everybody had reverb on their vocals. So this is this is a true musician's podcast right here. We're all trying to add more sauce onto our vocals so you can do the most. <laughs> uh, Andrew, but we can't thank you enough, man. It, it's funny. I was going back through because I love all the projects. I, I'm a diehard Jack's Mannequin guy. Everything in Transit is one of my favorite records ever. But I do have to I, I have to say this. Uh, I think that La La Lie was my MySpace song for like an entire year. <laughs> I love that the, oh, the old days. Yeah, I love that song. I still like to play La La La. That's a that's a that's a good sing along at the end of the night. Is there anything that you don't want to play anymore? Like anything off the old records, like the mixtape or like Dark Blue or something like that that just drives you nuts? No, I mean, I, I Transit's one of my favorite records too. Like I'm I'm hard pressed not to like playing those songs. I mean, I think there's. I think there's some there's some stuff like from deep into the something corporate catalog that like you know whether it's about not liking playing it, it sometimes it's just like it's so I'm so far removed from some of that that it that it, it it's hard to totally connect but um but I still like to I mean we you know we went out recently and uh we were out with with Carabas we it was like dashboard and me on tour together and it was kind of this like Oh, cool! Like this is an opportunity. These these are the fans that are gonna dig hearing some old something corporate tunes. So we like we busted out like Hurricane for the first time in a very long time, and um, you know she, she paints me blue and some some of the some of the like the the deeper something corporate cuts too. Uh, does it feel like just kind of like a dated version of yourself, like the old emo like kind of days? Like I know Drake has a quote where he says he really doesn't listen to like so far gone and things like that because it just sounds like an old version of himself that he doesn't relate to today. I mean, look, there there are some songs and some recordings that I'll that I'll feel that way about, but there something happens when you you sort of revisit those tunes, uh, like uh, so many years removed. That look, they end up sound they end up sounding really great. I mean, the band that I'm playing with is awesome, and when and, and some, when we revive those tunes, they kind of take on a new life, and it and it and it feels you know strangely modern when you you sort of filter it through the lens of of just who you are and what you've grown into as a musician. And um, sometimes it's like very subtle, the nuances, but it adds up into a, kind of a fresh look at an old song. I would be, I would be interested to see you do like a remake album of your current form with your current band and these old tunes and see, I've always thought about that. Even stuff that I wrote like five years ago, I'd love to go back and redo it now. Like just have that second shot of the song I think could have been great, but I wasn't there musically yet. 
Totally. No, I've actually had that thought many times. And as I and as I get further into like uh, uh, being being where I, I like the re-record rights for my music is no longer owned by my record companies anymore. There is like a <laughs> there is like a temptation, not so much to remake what was already done, like not like the the sort of Taylor Swift version of a or whatever, like try and recreate the 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 tune, but but do it in like a different way and and maybe strip it back a little bit and 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 get that that modern take on the on the recording. I think it'd be really fun. It's funny how much that record label like that thought enters your head because we've had similar thoughts about just doing completely different versions that we play every now and then like at acoustic things before a show that sound really cool of our old albums and then you start going through the process like okay we, if we do this, it means we're going to earn like 3% from it. It's going to go to the label. It's like, it kills the whole vibe, you know? Whereas if it wasn't that, you'd just be like, yeah, fuck it. We'll put it out. Yeah. Like if, if my label days ended on positive <laughs> notes, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would have thought about it. But yeah, I've rarely exited a label with a smile on my face other than the one that says, fuck, I don't have to be here anymore, you know? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, does, does anybody leave that a good way? There's never been like a, a shake hands parting of ways where it's like, hey, thank you for taking my money. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had, I definitely still have relationships and friends that worked on my my music over the years that I, I care for a great deal. Um, but it's so, it becomes so impersonal. I mean, you guys all know, it's like a, a, you sign a deal with like a team of people who love you and are excited about working for you and within you know sometimes as as little as a year everybody's gone yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you're and you're stuck with people who may be also wonderful people but they have the bands that they signed that they love and so their attention's going to go there so i i kind of approach it differently now and do kind of one-off deals with the, the teams of people who who love me and if they're still there after a record then it's like okay cool let's do it again you know i, I learned that the hard way my first deal ever they signed us uh in 2015 and they didn't put the record out for two years because the head of the label just disappeared and moved to alaska <laughs> so we didn't know what was going on it was that bad colin <laughs> that's how bad the record was she, she was like dude i gotta yeah, get yeah, the yeah. fuck out of here yeah. did you just not speak up you never I heard squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> I don't know what, dude. I was like 23. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like, is this how the record industry works? Dude, we recently just put out uh, instrumentals of our album Lunatic and we went, had to do it through the label. And every now and then we have like a thought, like, did we fuck up by leaving the label? Like, we missed that money, miss all that. You know, we could have had like pushed it harder. They put out the wrong masters to Spotify on our <laughs> instrumentals. And we're like, nope, it was the right decision. And it was oh, one of the yeah, same, yeah. yeah, one of the same dudes that was there, like surprisingly when we were originally there, it was like, okay, good decision. Yeah. Did he hit you with the whoops? He was just like, oh, my bad, dude. Let me fix that. I actually felt bad for him because he was one of the good guys and he knew that whoever had put the album up like fucked up. And he was like, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> just have to relive that all is fucked up, man. I got a I got Go a question real quick going back to the playing some of the old stuff. Um, do you find, Andrew, that when um, – I don't know if you've had the same members playing behind you for a lot of years or whatnot, but as you have introduced new members in your band, when you do play those old songs, that it does breathe some sort of new creative life into them, not necessarily in a better or worse way, just in a different way, that you have got this guy on guitar now. And so just playing those parts with his tones kind of brings some sort of interesting element to it. Does that, does that ring at all? Totally. I mean, you know, what's funny is like, you know, when, I mean, something corporate, we were signed, I think I was 18 years old when we got signed. Right. You know, and like, well, I think like hysterically we went through 
the uh, you know, and it was also like that right around that that analog to digital sort of switch flip, you know, both in mm -hmm. recording but and in technology, right? So mm -hmm. like, I think my guitar players spent all of their like that gear budget, that first gear budget. Yeah. Like we got a piano and they bought like line six pods and shit like that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like 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 because it was like oh this is the cool new stuff right so we for i mean i think for the first of the f three or four years we were on the road we were just like we were just playing through such garbage technology yeah. because like you know and then finally it was like by the end you know everybody was playing you know marshalls and 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 fender twins and all of a sudden i was like oh yeah we sound good and then we like kind of broke up and and so yeah there was yeah. there was there was a uh, uh you know a huge learning curve just being that young and and being on tour and not having like a pro road crew initially and having guys steer us in the right direction that we got, I mean, we got so much better by the end, but certainly like booting up into Jack's mannequin. And even though we didn't play a ton of something corporate, I was really trying to kind of like put the, put my foot down at that moment and say like, no, this is an entirely new project. We're going to do this, keep something corporate separate. Um, but as we revisited those tunes, that was cool. And then finally, when I transitioned into this wilderness project, it was like, cool, this is a stage where all of my music can live. It, you know, anything that I've written, like I want to be able to show up on this stage. And, and then it got super fun, you know, not totally rearranging things, but, you know, yeah, like you yeah. said, just that, the, you just know, just, the, yeah. The, and then just the thread of, of people, some of the guys in my bands who had listened to that music growing up or knew it, like kind of getting to sort of work it through their circuitry. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, it was a lot, it's a ton of fun. I love doing it. You do you me feel like there's oh, a, ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Colin. No, do you. Do, do you feel like there's a psychological element to that time of also like letting go of any ups and downs emotionally you had associated with any previous projects and, and any negativity that might've been kind of lingering that you've gotten beyond? Yeah, I mean, you know, the I'm really fortunate that even though, like anything, I mean, when, when bands wind down, there's always a reason, right? You know, mm -hmm. and and certainly there's going to be some tension bound up in that somewhere. But I I feel really fortunate that that most of the time, I think when I, when a project ended, it was less about less about people not getting along and more about just being in a new place in life and needing to find some fresh energy. Um, but certainly going back to the songs especially now, like, I mean, I did, I had, I turned 40 this summer and, uh, you know, just like on a lark, you know, I was playing like a, I threw a 40th birthday bash for myself at the house of blues at home here. And I, and I asked the something corporate guys, I was like, dude, you guys just want to like hop on stage and do a set. We won't announce it, whatever. And, and it was the first time I think even, even though we did like a reunion tour in like 2010, I'd say it was the first time since the band played together in the old days where it was like, it just felt really, it just felt amazing. Right. It was like, it almost felt like it did when I was, when we were kids in the garage, cause so much time had passed and we've all, we all have these lives that we've built way outside of, of that music in those days that getting on stage again was like, it was just like being surrounded by the best energy. And it felt like everybody, there was just so much love there and reverence for the fact that we created something that it was really nice. It's so scary That's to me. That's so awesome. It's so scary to me that you're only 40 and you have 20 <laughs> years of catalog and three different projects built up. Like that's fucked up. I don't know if you realize how Dude. how rare that is. So, Andrew, I'm Dante by the way. I'm hey, the only I'm the only person here that doesn't know you, but I okay. want to take responsibility for having you here because yep. I actually 
found out about you the other way around. I didn't know about your older stuff. I heard this Wilderness album, specifically Stars. My mind was blown. Nice. I told Colin and Kenny, I go, dude, we got to get this Andrew McMahon guy on the podcast. And Colin was like, hey, dummy, this is the guy <laughs> I've been telling you about for the past like two years. He's Jack's mannequin guy. I was like, oh, shit. He has been telling me about him this whole time. So then I went back and listened to your older stuff. I'm I'm blown away. That Stars record is so good. I have to ask how that came about. What was the writing process like for that? And where 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 did that come from? Because it's unbelievable. Thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, you know it's it's kind of like all these things, and I don't know how the, the rest of you guys write, but like. I'm sort of really fascinated by the mundane, right? Like, they're, like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this exceptional thing. I think a lot of like the, the the uh, the most the most important truth kind of comes out of the, the 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 dumbest, simplest situations. And like for me, with that song, like the genesis, the story of the the tune um, was really just like I'd gone out for for you know drinks and dinner with with my wife and a few of our friends and. You know, we we like we got a little lit up and ended up in this bar that's kind of like a it's kind of like a country western bar. It's really like a punk rock kind of dive, but it's fashioned as like a country bar, and they have country bands play. But it's a lot of like tough guys and 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 sort of very. It's very much not me, but it's a place I'll find myself at the end of a long night because that's just a, you know, a vibe. <laughs> when I and, think tough guys, I think Andrew McMahon. It's my first. Yeah, thought. yeah, yeah. It's all muscle here, guys. But uh. But so, you know, where I'm like happy to kind of hang out and be a wallflower in that situation. And th- on this night, there was a band and my wife really wanted me to like go dance in front, like with this country band. And I, I you know, I was just like, I don't want to do that at all. Like, <laughs> and, and it kind of turned into this thing where I think she just like, she was pissed. We were both, we had both been drinking and like, and she was just bummed out on me for like, not like accepting the invitation. And eventually I did. But it was like, you know, the night ended really bad. Like, you know, I called an Uber, like (laughs) just got in the back of somebody's car. I thought was my Uber, but it was just a civilian, you know, and they were like, well, they were getting carjacked. And now I'm like, all these people are, it was like, you know, just one of those things when you're just a humiliating uh, part of a relationship. And I, I, I woke up and I had that lyric, the stars that fell for you left holes in my roof, which I'd been hanging on to. And I, I ended up in this writing session with a guy named, Sammy Witty, um, who is super talented. Uh, I, I, I could look up his credits, but I think he did. I think he did some work on like the Bonavere stuff. And he's just like a really like really hip, um, but very sweet guy. Also like kind of based on in Orange County where I am. And, uh, and so we made that sort of like the, the, the scene of those background vocals and kind of started laying things down and, and it sounded really cool. And I was like, okay, I think I've got like, I think I've got a good story for this. And then, you know, it's just, it's just me being an idiot in a bar fighting with my wife because I was too stupid to just like, you know, go dance. dance. Perfect. Yeah. I do. Perfect. I, this is the part of the conversation I'm really excited for, because as a songwriter, I've always looked up to you because I think that you do turn the mundane into something eloquent, which is something that I always strive to do. But the thing that amazes me about you is once again, as a fan of all three projects, I can pick an Andrew McMahon song out. Like, I, I don't know what it is. You have a very specific style of writing and a way that you form verses and choruses. And I, I don't know if this is, is true for you, but do you feel yourself like 
separating the three or do you just write songs and they happen to have fallen into where you were? Like what's your, what's your writing process? Or did, did you have a line of demarcation where you're like, Oh, uh, this is how I write for the wilderness. or this is how I write for Jack's mannequin. It's probably, it's probably more the latter than the former, right? Like I, I don't, you know, even when, even when I was like writing, say some of the stuff that ended up on everything in transit as a, as a, for instance, a lot of that music was going to be for something corporate, right? Mm. You know, I just, I had, you know, like we do, we get in the, the, the rinse and repeat, you know, write the album, record the album, tour the album, start over. And, and we were about to do that again. Um, and I think in the case of Jack's, like really what happened was we were kind of like all really burnt out. We'd been on the road, like nonstop. It would have been like, it had been like three years where we'd put out, you know, a few projects and toured the whole time, you know, and, and we were just ready for a break. And so in that moment, I was like, well, I'm just going to go like demo like a couple of these songs. And I just went in with Jim who produced the, the something corporate records. And, and I think we, we recorded a, a couple things, but in the first sort of batch holiday from real was like in that, and, you know, we didn't have a drummer and we didn't, we didn't have all these, you know, all the traditional inputs. So we just recorded everything ourselves. We were cutting up drum loops off of tape that we had that was just stored in the studio. And, 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 and I think what I found in that moment, the biggest distinction between, you know, say the Jack's ears and something corporate was like, it was just kind of fun to not have to uh, sort of deal with the politics of opinions, you know, mm -hmm. like, and just say like, well, I like this song. Like, what if we just do this and you can just run down the track without anybody sort of in, in your ear going, I don't know if I like that, you know? And it's, you know, that's just the difference between <laughs> being in a band and, 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 and not, and there's benefits to both. But, uh, but as far as the writing was concerned, especially between those two projects, I did it very much the same way. Right. Mm. It was just that once I got a song from feeling finished into the studio, um, this we we built it in the speakers rather than in the rehearsal room you know and so that i think became the biggest the the way that those records really distinguished themselves because you know with something corporate we would get in a rehearsal space and we would just grind it out until we felt like we we could produce the track you know with the exception of like a song like the astronaut like that that was cut in the studio and and there's a song called watch the sky which was like kind of cut in the studio um but for the most part all that was like rehearsal space um and then I think the biggest difference with the wilderness has just been like, it's super collaborative, you know, like I'm way less, uh, way less afraid about getting in rooms where I barely have something created and just like, just kind of holding on for dear life and seeing <laughs> if we can make a song in that moment, you know? And I think I've found that it, that's what's kept it interesting for me is like, changing up my process, both in the writing and the production and really being like, let's go meet a ton of people, have uncomfortable first dates and try yeah. and write a song, you know? And, and, and that's been the biggest, I think the, the distinct, the biggest distinction between this project and my I'm previous. Cu team. I'm curious, and I'm sure there's a gray area in there, but um, do you, I'm sure you're writing music all the time, but are you one of the guys who's always writing music and when it comes time for the record, you're combing through or you write a record, you tour it, like you said, and then you take a year and a half off and then start the new record, you know, those yeah. two different. Yeah. I mean, it really depends. I, it, my goal honestly is to be doing all of it at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
playing shows, coming home, going in and doing a session. Like I'm yeah, much yeah. more, I'm much more geared these days, especially when I'm starting, like when I'm kind of doing the handoff between one record and another, I really enjoy kind of getting into rooms with other writers early on just to see if it can like, you know, just break something in me and in my creative process that points me in a new direction rather than like just going back to the same well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of in that process right now. Like I finally finished this record that'll come out in, in March. And like, I'm like, guys, let's get in some rooms. Like I want to get weird. Like let's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It does take me finishing. Like if, if, I, if it's an album I'm making, I like, I do have to finish it before I can start something new. That's the one big yeah, thing that yeah, I've yeah. noticed. Like if there's still like a song not finished and the artwork's not done and like whatever, I, it's impossible for me to think of the next yeah. thing. Um, but but I do tend to like write in fits, you know, I'll like, I'll, I'll Me sort too. of, I'll get home and I'll work for like, I'll book tons of sessions or I'll sit at the piano a ton and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of be frenetic about getting songs built up. And then sometimes I'll leave for tour and they'll just be sitting and I'll, and I can revisit them and go, okay, this is what's good. And you have some perspective, you know? Do you I, ever, I, um, like, like a lot of us do, are you ever in the back lounge of the bus with a little 21 key, MIDI controller and a laptop. <laughs> Kenny, I've never seen you in the back of the bus doing music. You're playing video games. Stop you pretending like you're working. Shit, yeah. <laughs> well, yo, so this is a quick, because we do have a lot of songwriters that listen to this, and I know Dante is very interested in the songwriting process, and this is just something that I've been working through the last like, couple of years. And being that you came up, you got signed at 18, and you're, you're the front man of these bands, and <clears throat> obviously the songwriter too. And something that I've been letting go of is the idea of like, when I first got signed and I first started working, I had to be the, the songwriter. That had to be my identity. And I didn't want to work with other people because I felt like it took something away from me. And you're talking a lot about co-writing now and getting in rooms with people. Is that something that you grew into or have you always been a co-writer? Oh, no, not at all. It was, it was, um, it was a really conscious effort to I mean it's kind of like when I when I say you know like the 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 moniker the in the wilderness for me a lot of that was trying to dig myself out of like out of being attached to a process mm. and saying the way you're going to continue to make new music that feels fresh you know for me like and I need that like I need things to feel fresh like it just i think that's why you know the all the name changes and the different the different land like sonic palettes i like to play and it's like that's how i'm that's how it works for me um and so no i think it was around i mean i had started doing a little on the last jack's mannequin record like i wrote with matt Thiessen for uh from reliant k on a couple songs mm. we did a song called amy i yep. and another song called people running which were really cool jack's mannequin songs and i loved it like we had so much fun um, and then I like I wrote I wrote with the Academy is for one of their records. I, so I started oh, I, I started doing yeah. So I started doing some things like that. I wrote for uh, with Mark for OAR and wrote a couple songs for those guys. That's our like our best friend, dude. We love oh, Mark. I, I love Mark. He's the greatest. Um, and I love all those all those guys. So it was it was in this moment around 2012, 11, 12, 13 in there that I started doing a little more of it. And then when I I kind of shut everything down with Jack's mannequin and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to work on my own music for a minute. And I ended up going working on like a TV show for NBC and, and, um, 
and then I, I, I was like, I was ready to get into it. And so I called my, I called my, uh, my, uh, publisher at the time. And I was like, all right, dude, like I kind of need to get like the, like the fucking paddles out. Like, you know, sh I, like just, I just need to sh like shock my system with like the weirdest rooms you can put me in. And so he put me in a room with Fernando Garibay and Ali Tamposi. Fernando like did a bunch of Lady Gaga records and Kylie Minogue. He was like, a, Shit, like dude. a, like a badass sort of DJ, uh, dance producer. And Ali had written, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger for, uh, Very Kelly strong. Clarkson. Right. And I was, I almost left on the first day. I mean, I literally, <laughs> I was in there just terrified and feeling so small. And I remember like, I went out and I was like, I, like, I, like it was, I started chain smoking like cigarettes. Cause I was like freaking out. I was like, what do I do? I'm like, I, somebody had a cigarette. I was like, I'm just going to go like smoke. You know, like, <laughs> and I was out there just freaking out and Allie cornered me. And I was like, I don't think I'm adding anything for you guys. Like I feel really insecure. And she's like, you're here for a reason. And she gave me this crazy pep talk. She's like, you have something that, that we need here. You like write this kind of a lyric you do it, you know, like really like pump me up. And that was it for me. And from then on, I like, I began really being fascinated with the idea of surrounding myself with hyper creative people who have different perspectives and seeing what happens when it, you know, like when it works, it can be really special. I love that. It's such a good exercise. I tell all the artists I work with to write with as many, just write with everybody, every single person you'll never need. If you get a bridge, if you get a lyric, if you get a beat, if you get a pattern, like whatever it is, you just take these little things and it kind of builds into what your record becomes. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's one thing when you're like, when, when you're just starting to write and everything is new and you're like learning your way around your instrument and you're, you know, you're channeling your influences for the very first time. It's like, it seems a little less essential, right? But as you, as I think, as we all get older, we, we, we create patterns, right? And I think, um, I think patterns can be dangerous for creativity mm -hmm. if you don't in, insert new, uh, uh, stimulus into the, into the pattern so that it can take you in new directions, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I this I used to for years, I'd have, you know, my samples folder and like, oh, I need some kicks, same kicks, same kick, clap, same all that stuff. And then finally one year I was like, every time I use something, it gets deleted off the hard drive and never yeah. use it again. Hell yeah. You got to find new stuff. Yeah. You should probably go back the to the old one. Even with like certain plugins, like you brought up Little Alter Boy or like Valhalla Delay. They're great and all that, but I, it's like, I can't use them anymore because I'd start doing the same things. I put the same plugins which i know is not as critical a part of the songwriting process but it does start to shape things when you know you can quickly get a certain sound so it's great yeah, sometimes same, just be like with, no uh, plugins today i'm not allowed yeah, to use same, them or same whatever with soft sense i'm always oh, looking yeah. for new like i just need new sounds i never want to use these ones ever again i'm bored you know oh my god <laughs> well andrew i mean we're talking about a new jack's mannequin or a, a new andrew man in the wilderness record that's why you're here and i still remember the first time I heard Cecilia in the satellite on the radio, I had been on the Philly alt station, just like changing channels. And I heard this hook and I was like, this sounds like Andrew McMahon. Like what, <laughs> what, what, what this sounds like Jack's mannequin. What is this? And then they said at the end, this is new Andrew McMahon. And I, I, I've been so interested to watch from like, I mean, high dive was like, I put that on loop for months and just tried to emulate the way that you wrote songs. But I think my question is kind of like starting that new project. Was there a certain song on that first record that you did? And you're like, okay, this is a new project. Um, 
That's that's tough. I mean, high dive is definitely pretty. I I, I think it, it would arguably be the the sort of turning point in a sense. I mean, I knew I was making a new project. I had, mm. um, you know, I I I had signed with new management. I'd already done. I'd already done the EP, the pop underground EP, which was like kind of the the like let's just get super weird. I'm gonna work with this like like basically a a, a dude who's doing like dance and like hip hop music and like see what we can make together, which was super cool. Um, but it was sort of like the first step in a direction. And then and then when I signed with Crush a, a bunch of years ago, mm. they uh, Jonathan was like, cool, like you just need to not tour until you have a record. That's it. Like, I don't want you to tour until there, until there's the music's there, which nobody had ever really empowered me that way. I think most managers are like, oh, this kid yeah, can make yeah. me a fortune on the road. Yeah, like, yeah. Get, like, get to work, boy, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, I, I, so I, moved into, I moved into Topanga Canyon. Um, you know, I would like live there for three or four days a week. And then I come home, you know, I was married. So I, I like, I, was, my wife was like, yeah, you can't just like, you can't go the whole time. But, <laughs> yeah. So, but I would go and I would, I lived in this weird little cabin and, and in the middle of nowhere where you didn't see anybody if you stayed there for days. And, um, and the song rainy girl was sort of the first the, on that, on that record was the first one that got me out of the Canyon. It was like, I had written tons and tons of stuff that I was excited about, but then I was like, this one feels like something, right? And and that's when I got in touch with Mike Viola, who was uh, one of the producers on the record, and and said, I kind of have this thing, you know, would you be down to to like help me out with it? And so we did Rainy Girl, and we had so much fun, and I loved him, and I loved his like home studio, and his family was there, and I was about to have a kid, so I was kind of like, oh, this is cool, like you can be a musician and a dad and like still like be cool you know and and <laughs> and uh and and then we got to high dive i think it was pretty much the next thing we did and it was like i had this little casio keyboard right yep. and mike just like programmed this like this loop that is still underneath the whole song and our the whole mission was like we we listened to boys of summer like maybe 10 times and we were like what if we try and just rewrite boys of summer uh like without ripping it off but like like if it's if there's like a color line here if there's a you know if there's a uh uh you know if the change moves this way or it goes major minor like just we just did we basically tried our best to just like pull the song apart and understand what made it good and then just tried to apply all the things we learned in that wow in that moment to this song you know and so we would like, we, we kind of make two or three steps forward. The first day we got like a good amount of the verse stuff done, but the chorus wasn't there. And then we would just kept on going back to boys of summer and being like, <laughs> okay, Damn. like this is where we fucked up. Like go back, like change that, you know? And, um, and, uh, and it was so fun. You know what I mean? Again, it's like, kind of just speaks to this idea of like, it was just fun. It was like being like a kid in your, you know, in your, your, your friends, like basement playing with, like toys and like toy cars and shit, you know, you're just like yeah. goofy and like laughing when it sounds good and feels good. And, and, uh, and, but I would say it was high dive. It was like the first thing that came out of it. It was just this Casio drum machine demo that we ended up building up. Um, but that were me and management and everybody was like, Oh, this is cool. We could do a whole record with like no guitars and like all sort of pianos and synths and like, and, and, and try and make it like make big pop songs, you know? 
Wow. Yeah, did you did you have a new process for the new record? Like, was there anything that like once again you're you're always shedding skin and trying something new? Yeah. Like, was the new record anything different? Totally. Well, you know, it's like I so I don't know if you guys know Tommy English, but Tommy yeah, Tommy's like, a buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's Tommy, an incredible writer. He's an incredible, and he's just yeah. He so Tommy kind of bailed me out at the end of the second Wilderness record. Like, I just I I had been in New York for so long, and I just was like kind of making a mess of, of my, my life, just staying out way too late and just partying too hard. And it was, it just got to like a kind of a dark place. And I was like, I got to come home. I can't, I can't live in New York city. I thought I could. <laughs> and, and, um, and we, ha and I had to finish the record and I didn't want to go back to New York. So, so, <laughs> so, uh, so we got a hold of Tommy and Tommy did the last two songs on the zombies record for me. And I just loved it so much. I had so much fun in his studio. He was yeah, just, yeah. he was so confident and so good that at a time when I was like really like not in the best like spiritual uh, headspace, I just wasn't like at my healthiest. And and I could show up into his studio and he'd be like, how about this? And I would just be sitting in front of the speakers like, oh, fuck, man, thank you so much. <laughs> like, like yeah. that I didn't have to grind on this for days to get to the, to get to it, you know? And um, so I asked if he would come on board and do this record with me. And I'd had a lot of songs written going into it. Um, so it was a little different in that sense that um, usually in at least the last couple records, uh, or, or I say the first two Wilderness records, it was like being written as it was being produced, you yeah. know? And there was a little bit of that going on with this one, but I had had, you know, a few years of songs between, you know, before the pandemic started, I was like kind of in like a, a pretty prolific mode and super excited about making a new record like right away. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, and I just shifted gears and I, I wrote a, a memoir and kind of went away from the piano. So when I came back, it was like, oh, there are all these songs and now they have new meaning kind of. And the ones that I really like have survived this test of time, you know, and, and I brought them to Tommy and we just kind of started chipping away at them and then also kind of writing in the studio while it was, while it was happening. And, um, so it was, it was a little more of a formal process than I'd been in since, since leaving Jack's mannequin, where we would kind of go in and make the record. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been much more piecemeal over the years. And this one was kind of more like, Hey, we have a bunch of songs. We'll write more as we go. But like, we kind of cut the whole record in, you know, two or three months for the most part. Wow. Jesus. Well, when can we expect the record? Uh, March. Like, I think it's like the middle of March. Yeah. So there's going to be, I mean, I, you know, I, I have no idea when this is going to come out, but we, there'll probably be two or three more tunes that'll come out ahead of it. Um, you know, like the new, the new f format of having to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, game, yeah, the, yeah, game, yeah. game the yeah, algorithm yeah. or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, which is fine. I'm like, you know, what else is new? I think that's the, the business in general. It's all a fucking game. We know that. It's all, and it always, and it always has been, you know, yeah. um, but uh, but yeah, the 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 whole the full length will come out at the uh, at the, the the middle to end of March, and um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a I think there's a ton of really cool music on it. I'm 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 too close to it now. It's hard for me to like, you know, to really know. But I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that this one's gonna land in a in a good place. Are uh, you bringing back the wacky inflatable flailing arm tube men? <laughs> yeah. I kind of had to retire those guys. And then, uh, you know, it, it kind of got to the point where it started like I, I've 
so many people started doing it that it was like, okay, oh, well, now this, 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 this gag is, has now entered the zeitgeist, you know, I can but tell I, you, I can tell you, we've, I played in AWOL nation for a lot of years and we played a bunch of shows together. And I remember like some festivals, like you, us, Weezer panic, whatever. And it was oh, the yeah. first time I had seen the wacky inflatable guys and everybody's like, what an idea. It's incredible. <laughs> Do you want to hear something funny about that? So I, I work with this. Uh, I've worked with this amazing guy named John Morris, and and he kind of like has like an artist consortium, and they 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 work on tons of projects. But for a long time, he was helping me build and design our sets and our gags and all that stuff. And so we had he had pitched the idea of the inflatable tube men, and we were about to leave for tour. I think with like maybe with Weezer and Panic, and I don't know maybe twenty fifteen. And, uh, and like, I'd had them custom, like we had them custom done so that the yeah. backdrop and our clothes and the inflatables yep. all matched, you know, like, and oh, I, we were just like this, this is going to blow people's minds. And then we play Coachella that year and we're, we're all like, I mean, I, I won't even get into like the state of mind we were all in at the moment, but there was, we were feeling very good and we were watching, <laughs> uh, we were watching, Sufjan Stevens and it was Ooh. like just this I mean the night had been incredible the music was so good and, and he was unbelievable and it gets to the end and they play I what's the, the no cars go no is that Chicago is that the name of that song yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, beautiful song it gets to the end of it and I swear to God inflatables come up right no. like, and we were like we were like weeks away from debuting this thing and here's dude and I I, I at first almost started crying, right? And my band <laughs> just like saw me, but like everybody just like, like huge hug. John, who had designed the gag for us, was there, and we just like held each other. Like this is good. It means we should be doing this. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is good. That's so. Good. Uh, well, yeah. yo, if you need a new gag for tour, I'm I'm here to uh, volunteer Kenny to come on stage every night and do a Game of Thrones naked walk of shame on stage. Would that be alright yeah, for you? I mean, Same. yeah. That sounds that sounds perfect, actually. Yeah. Hey, the bass player uh, from Imagine Dragons used to walk naked across the A wall stage every single show. So. Really? True. I mean, in his underwear, but yeah, but, naked enough. And he would walk so slowly, and Aaron would be doing his thing, and he would just be like standing there walking so slowly. It was so awkward. I have such an admiration for anybody who is willing to like wear like very little yeah, clothes yeah. in front of lots of people. Like yeah. I'm, I'm. I don't. I don't want anybody ever to see me with my shirt off. It's just like <laughs> it's just like you. You know, and I know. I know guys are just like, oh, dude, like let's roll, like skitty. I'm like, forget that. I'm, no, it's not me. Oh, so good. On, good on him. I I admire his confidence. <laughs> well, Andrew McMahon, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. We'll be sure to plug the new album when it comes out. We'll see you on tour. Anything else for us, brother? No, man. You guys are awesome. I I, I really uh, appreciate the uh, the chat. It's it's uh, it's good to. Good to get to hang with some like-minded Andrew, folks. The last thing I'll, I'll say is that you know that this industry is very small and everybody knows everybody and every single person that I talk to about you has the same vibe that you're just the industry sweetheart and everybody oh. loves you uh, and thinks that you're absolutely incredible. So I really appreciate that. Well, I've been really fortunate to get to do it for a long time. So you try to, you try to not, you don't want to piss off the wrong people. Some people <laughs> Some people deserve to get pissed off, but yeah. those people generally aren't aren't hanging around for too long either. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Well, Andrew McMahon, thank you so much, man. We'll see you soon, all right? Cheers, you guys. Be well. 
All right, so that was our friend Andrew McMahon. Please go listen to the new record when it drops. Go stream all the old shit. Andrew's really the man. Dante, you had something you wanted to say about it, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I mentioned it in the interview, but it was it was so funny to me how I've been newly introduced to him and this wilderness stuff I fucking love. And I brought him up, and you were like, yeah, dude, it's fucking Jack's Manic Habit talking about him since day one that I've met you. And I was like, Oh, I'm an idiot. But then actually I just sat back and listened. I let you and like Kenny kind of and Johnny run the interview just cause I was so like in awe at how fucking intelligent yep. and smart that guy is. And you know, every, we're all working on music right now. Um, I'm trying to get back into, you know, the electronic producing, uh game right now and like listening to someone like andrew talk about his his writing process and the production and just how much goes into songs i've i quickly realized how inferior (laughs) i am to somebody like that and it was so like so humbling like I, i left that interview and i was just like man i don't know shit (laughs) <laughs> Bro, you, you, I, I wanted to bring this up to him, um, but I, I did. He's on them, another like, level. I did tell him that like high dive specifically was like my my thing where like I heard that song and I wanted to to fucking find a way to write a song that resonated like that in my notes in my I have my old voice recordings here from October 11th, 2016. I have a note. It says the name of the song is New Apartment parentheses high dive by Andrew McMahon. In my notes, that's how like that's how much that I really love that, and I listened to it recently, and it's literally me ripping off. High I gotta like, tell you that it's not easy. It can't be easy to make piano the main instrument of a current alternative band. You know oh. what I mean? Like he does a good job of it. And he's the only one, really. I mean, who else? Jukebox a ghost, probably. Um, I'm thinking other than that, like Twenty One like- Pilots is another weird ah, one. Nah, 1975 does it. Sometimes, but they also have those glassy guitars, and they'll do like loops and like, shit. Like, Andrew McMahon is known like he's just only piano, like a huge baby grand on stage kind of thing, which is actually really? the only up. guy. Fr- the only guy from that era who was doing it also, I think of like uh, Eric Hutchinson did a lot of that, and like uh, Fiona Apple, dude. For me, she's oh. the the goat on in terms of making like alternative piano music. That's dude, a great pe- call. Fetch the bowl cutters, that whole fucking record with like the descending lines and things coming back in with the piano. You're right about that. Holy fuck. Even the the not new one, but like I forget what it was called. Extraordinary Machine. Is that the album mm-hmm. or the song? That one. The song, was I think. Awesome. I, I think that's off of uh Fetch the Bowl Cutters. It's kind of okay. crazy that 21 Pilots really started off as a piano drum band. <laughs> it really did. Well, yeah. they're getting back. Have you heard their new song? No. 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 It doesn't even it doesn't even sound like them. I had to like ch- make sure that the radio info wasn't screwed up. I heard it yesterday. I'm trying to think of it. Let me look up the name. You, I really you'll... didn't like that uh, last record um, that they put out, I- Ice and Fire, or whatever it was called, Ice yeah. and Hot, Ben Gay, or something. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say also one more thing. Shout out to my friend Ashley Osborne, tour photographer who used to shoot for fitness. She just got nominated for like iHeart's Photographer of the Year because she covered all wow. two years of Twenty One Pilot shows, and she is the the best of all time in my opinion. Shout out Ashley. Good Austin. for her. Yeah. Let's uh let's do this. Let's let's get out of here. But before we do, uh, we've picked our inaugural 
uh, artist spotlight for Barstool Backstage of the Week. Uh, and we're going to let Kenny Carkey give a rundown on who it is. Uh, we're going to play a song at the end. Kenny, who was our inaugural artist spotlight? Yo, spell inaugural. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I hope my babies are just, oh, come on, shut the hell up. Um, so there's a band that I've been working with uh, called The Real Zebo, Z-E-B-O-S. They're out of Omaha, Nebraska, which is super random, but they're like a, a new group love is the best way I can explain it because it's so interesting. The sounds that they choose, it's like dirty acoustics chopped and looped, and the vocals are super interesting, half rap, half singing. It's just a breath of fresh air. I worked on one song for them that... Um, was kind of like real big pop anthemic alternative and now i'm working on their new ep which is kind of like more ballady but still with interesting harsh abrasive sounds and stuff the real zebos they're they're really small band they're on their way up their videos are hilarious like a lot of comedy in their shit which love i that. Love. um highly 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 recommend people take a look at the real zebos did you uh, it was this through that sound better or you just yeah, met them for, yeah, through other? No, he found me huh. on sound better we made one song together that is fucking incredible and then i and then i went and started listening to their shit on spotify and finding their youtube videos and like it's all comedy it's all comedy and it's so funny but the music is really fucking cool i'm not going to say they're like you know writing the test of time type of songs but they're like the, the it's just interesting it's a breath of fresh air because it's different it's new and it's interesting comedy is the new music guys yeah well yeah. So, like you said johnny like to see people not take it so fucking seriously makes me like yeah. it more yeah i've spent the last week editing videos of my band in front of a green screen with volcanoes and fucking zombies so yeah i'm with you uh <laughs> uh all right well we're we're <laughs> All right, well, then we'll leave uh, on that note with the Real Zebos. We'll play one of their songs on the way out. For all artists out there, we got over 40 submissions this week alone for our artist, of the, or our artist spotlight this week. Keep submitting. We're going to pick one every week. We're backlogged. We're going to keep going through everything. Uh, what the hell? DJs, too. DJs, DJs too. DJs, too. Absolutely. DJs as well. Um, and we'll be doing these every single week. A um, couple things on the way out. Next week, uh, we're going to have... Uh, White Reaper and Armani White will be returning as well. He has a new song coming out today, I guess, when this drops, uh, with Denzel Curry. Uh, so this is a Sick. big week. This is a big week for our boy. Uh, and then also a new Foxtrot single drops today. Uh, you're gonna be hearing it a lot of. You're gonna be hearing it in a lot of places. Uh, I'm really excited. It's called Rolling Sevens. Uh, guys, anything for me before we go into Rockstar Skinny by the Real Zebos? Mm. Shut that baby mm. up, dude. Shut, Shut that, that baby up. Baby up, son. <laughs> oh my god. Johnny, thank you for joining us, man. You really uh contributed a lot. I went, that. I joined Kenny's Zoom, but you sent me another link. But I just wanted to keep in tradition of this of like never knowing what the fuck is going on. And <laughs> showing up at random times. I'm gonna start doing the Dante thing and showing up in my car. Maybe I'll do a lawnmower, keep it all like authentic, <laughs> authentic Texas. <laughs> oh man alright well uh, this is uh, Rockstar Skinny by The Real Zebos. fuck you guys we'll see you next week <sighs> let me preface this by saying that I don't know what I'm saying I like them closer, breaking down the cages and the chains and all the limits. Put on music, but the least that I can do is 
shut my mouth and be the dude that can't pretend like he's been through it. I ain't even supposed to tell him life can be so overwhelming. And you might be close to hell if you ain't nice to most of fellas. And the people in your life that you forget to thank and praise. Never been the best about it, but I'm trying to find my ways now. Spending most of my days wondering who all knows my name. Do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know it? It's Grant, not Oberst. Better write that down, better like that sound. Are we part of that scene? East Coast, West Coast, somewhere in between Middle America. I won't be compared to you. I'll be roped in with a how do you do? Looking at the fingers every two or three minutes on the highway. I went my way. I will ride up to the stoplight. And I'm singing out my lungs. I don't know no one. Not left, not right. Go straight down. Dodge no way. Don't pause. Don't fake applause. I don't want it if you're not in awe. I don't want it if you're not in awe. Everybody just wants a glimpse of now.